0: Hi there! Welcome to Bloodhouse, the show where we talk about art house horror movies. I'm your host, Joshua Conkle.
1: And I'm your cult leader, co hostess, <laughs> Drusilla Adeline. Welcome to the snowy summer episode of Blood House. I am so hot in this little room that I'm like
0: steps away from taking off my shirt, but I won't subject you from to that. Um, <laughs> but it is nice to think about a cold climate for this movie, <laughs> even if I don't yes. ever get to
1: experience one. Um, how are you? I'm good. So I just got back from a trip. Uh, I went to Indiana with my partner to visit my family in my hometown uh and then we stayed there for about a week and then we uh took a rental car and drove eight hours down to her family in south carolina um and we had a really great time so i'd like just got back um and uh i don't know like it was really 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 good it was nice to like show off my hometown mm-hmm. uh, and all my like high school friends to my partner and then go to her hometown, see her family, see all. Of it was, it was a very good like bonding trip. Um, was that your first time to the South? That was, I lived in Florida. Oh, okay. For a few years. So <laughs> no. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Northern
0: Florida is like, oof. I lived there for a few years too as a kid. It's,
1: it's something. it's something. I lived in Sarasota, which is like oh, central Sarasota's Florida. Oh, Sarasota's quite nice. It's, quite, it's, it's much nicer. It, it's, it's more like a retirement community, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I lived there. My father currently lives there. mm mm-hmm. um, And my grandparents used to live there. So every summer when I was growing up, my parents would stick my brother and I on a plane and just, like, ship us down to our grandparents. Or, like, as a family, we would drive down... There, I also had an uncle who lived in Atlanta, so a lot of the time we would drive down to Atlanta, mm-hmm. stay there, then drive down to Sarasota, stay there, and then drive all the way back. So yeah. it was fun to like do that kind of drive again, yeah. but not make it about <laughs> that part of my family that I don't know. Really fighting interact with your with. brother in the back of a Chevy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or my brother driving the car at, like, 120 miles per hour through a rainstorm in Georgia
0: is
1: (laughs) avoiding. That's great. So we, like... Ivory is a stylist, and I am, of course, uh, a video fiend. So we stopped along the way to go thrifting as well. We did a lot of thrifting in South Carolina. We did a lot of thrifting in Indiana. But we also did a lot on the road. We, like, planned out stops in uh louisville and we plan on stops in like knoxville tennessee um in like asheville north carolina those are cool towns very underrated towns louisville like underratedly like
0: gorgeous yeah i mean you don't have to tell me I'm i'm from kentucky i'm a kentucky boy
1: great old churches yeah uh we went to a really dope um kind of thrift vintage and video store there um and bought like a lot of VHS tapes. And a couple mm. laser discs. We So between Indiana. Kentucky, Tennessee. North Carolina. And South Carolina. We brought back over 40 VHS tapes. Wow. <laughs> uh, we're psychotic. Um, but it was really really good. Um, and while we were in Indy. I got to see one of my best friends. In the whole wide world. Who was a drummer in my. Old band that listeners may remember was named after the David Cronenberg movie, Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers. Um We Gotta See Them and uh it was still during Pride, so there's a new um kind of art theater in uh Indianapolis kind yes, of Yes, in- that's where I saw um Babylon at Christmas. <gasps> that's where you when saw I was Babylon. In- yeah, when I was in Carmel. That's great. It's called the yeah. Can Can. Mm-hmm, it's hmm um, cool. It's very, very cool, uh, and it's in a very kind of um warehousey district of Indianapolis that's a bit more re- um, residential now, uh, and is super fucking cute. Uh, and they were doing uh, a Pride series um, hosted by a drag queen that Ren had gone to college with, mm. and they were showing multiple maniacs while we oh, were in town. So cool. And so, like... <laughs> We gotta go see Multiple Maniacs in My Hometown, which, like, it would have blown 15-year-old me's mind. Know, I'm
0: sure, yeah. Um,
1: it was so great. Ren had never seen a John Waters movie before. Whoa, what a weird one to start with. But what a, good a great one, one to start <laughs> yeah, with! Yeah, They loved it. It was so fun, because I, and I, have seen that movie both a bunch, yeah. and to, like, sit there and, like, turn over and, like, watch their reaction. Of course, Lobstora really Client pushed them over the edge <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a great time i i i had a delight um and i watched a lot of good movies um one that i would really 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 like to talk about is when i watched on the plane because i hate flying and so mm-hmm. i always download movies um i was able to download one from the criterion channel that i've been meaning to see for a fat minute um uh, from 2019 and from Canada, directed by the feature debut of Matthew Rankin, mm-hmm. who had been um, uh, one of Guy Madden's assistants on a few of his like early oh, 2000s movies. Okay. Uh, it's called the 20th Century. Okay. It is very much in the style of a Guy Madden film, and it is an almost entirely fictional biopic about uh canada's um longest running prime minister william lyon Mackenzie king Mm -hmm. um and his search to becoming prime minister it is fucking insane it is so gorgeous and stylish and weird and funny and just brilliant and i could watch it five times on a loop i highly 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 recommend this movie it is so fun it is so funny it like feels and looks super artsy but it is super accessible it is super weird if you don't know anything about canada or william Lyon Mackenzie king perfect give it a watch uh you will learn nothing about him (laughs) (laughs) he was legitimately a weird guy he would like hold seances to commune with his dead dogs makes sense to me yeah like (laughs) shit we would do um, but the movie presents him as a, like, fetishistic boot sniffer <laughs> whose mother, played by Guy Madden regular Louie mm-hmm. uh, has prophetic dreams about his future and paints them into paintings. And his father is a simping little manservant. And a lot of the casting is gender blind. So a lot of women will play men and a lot of men will play women. Uh, there's some Trans performers playing cis women. Um, it is truly bad shit. It is outrageously beautiful. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, I like it was released by oscilloscope. Um mm-hmm. and they never miss, so they
0: never do. They're really good. I have such funny warm, sweet, nostalgic feelings about Guy Madden because I went to this... So I went to college at this tiny theater conservatory in Seattle called Cornish College of the Arts. And I was a theater major, an acting major. And so there's like 20 people in each class. And when I was a senior, Guy Madden made a film in Seattle called Brand Upon the Brain. One of his best films ever. Absolutely. And that movie took over my entire senior year because two of my classmates out of 20 were the stars of Brand Upon the Brain. He oh my God. Of my so one was my roommate, um, Jake Morgan Sharon, who's a trans <laughs> man actor. And Jake played two teenage twins. So he played a boy and a girl twins. He was my college roommate. And then another- the, And the, the
1: t- girl who dresses up as her brother- <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then the the girl Maya Lawson was also in my class at Cornish. So like that movie, its production and its premiere just like took over our entire senior year. I remember flying to New York to go to the premiere, and it was done as like a traveling show with a live orchestra and different narrators. Like for a while, it was Crispin Glover because it's a silent movie shot on Super 8. So, so sometimes the narrator would be Crispin Glover. When I saw it, it was Isabella Rossellini. They had a Ugh. live, real life orchestra. One of the last on Earth singing, Castrati is like a eunuch um, who who is castrated and prepubescent, so that they have a soprano voice even though they're male. So they had a real live castrati singing, which is like such a rare. It was the coolest, weirdest thing. But it's like such a magical year, and I was only tangentially related to it. But like my college roommate was the star of that film, and it's so interesting
1: that's so fucking cool yeah. i love that movie so much i have such a deep 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 admiration and love for guy it's madden beautiful. and beautiful his films movie. yeah the first i saw careful for the first time when i was in high school that was the first one i watched and i remember like the moment it even started i was like infuriated because i was like this is what i want to do this is like the stuff in my brain yeah these are this is the kind of movies i want to make what who's already doing this what the fuck and i watched everything i could find
0: there used to be something called the the northwest film commission and they would give a filmmaker a hundred thousand dollars to make a movie in seattle and so that's how Brand upon the brain was made and also um What's her name? Oh, fuck. Mark Maron's partner who passed away a couple of years, Lynn... Um she's a tv Lynn director. Lynn Shelton. Lynn Shelton also mm-hmm. got that my senior year. So my other friend Amber Hubert starred oh. in her first movie uh, in, in her movie um called We Go Way Back the same year. So like these filmmakers <laughs> were like making these $100,000 movies and just like casting Cornish people. And so like all around me everyone was like starring in these movies from these directors who are like iconic and such a funny thing. A very short-lived thing, but
1: That's so fucking cool. Yeah. If you haven't yet, uh, Kino Lorber just put out a new Blu-ray of Guy Madden's first movie, Tales from the Gimli Hospital. Oh, that's such a cool movie. It's so fucking good, and it's been, like, almost impossible to get for years. Yeah. Um, so I'm now getting rid of my DVD, because I just got the Blu-ray. Uh, But it's restored, and, like, they put scenes back in that he had cut out. Um. So it's, like, a whole new version of the movie that's never been seen before. Mm. Um and it's freaking incredible i love that movie so much i you would love the 20th century it is yeah, guy it madden great. in technicolor essentially Um uh, I, I don't want to like belittle matthew rankin by only comparing him to guy madden he is like his own thing he's doing his own thing um it is so freaking funny and so freaking weird and i if you listen to this podcast you would love the 20th century I immediately texted my ex, who's Canadian, and I was like, you need to fucking see this! And then, like, <laughs> the next day, they were gave it like, five stars in the letterbox, and we're like, yep, that's movie of wait. the year. Can't yep. wait to see it.
0: How have you been, Josh? Ooh, I had a great week at the theater. <sighs> so, I saw a new mainstream movie that I really enjoyed called No Hard Feelings, which is a rated R sex comedy starring Jennifer Lawrence. It's very funny, very sweet. Um, not too raunchy, actually. I I would have liked it to be raunchier. I think, you know, I gave it three and a half stars and I would have given it four had it in the back half, in the back half, it doubles down on like sweetness and like feelings. Mm. And I would have liked it more if it had doubled down on like the raunchy sex comedy stuff. But it it was so nice to see, first of all, a comedy of any kind in a movie theater, Um, but second of all, like, uh, you know, I'm a child of the eighties, so I grew up on like hard R sex comedies and I really love them. And then we got a whole bunch of them in the two thousands as well, like 40 year old virgin and things like that. And I just like miss that genre. And now it's cool that like women and and minorities are getting a chance to do them, but I'll take them any way I can get them. Like, I just Mm -hmm. want more raunchy hard R sex comedies and, um, I really enjoyed it and it's yeah. Great movie. Super fun. Nice to see Jennifer Lawrence again.
1: Um, it's been a long time. She just did an A24 movie last year that was nominated for Oscars. She did? It's called was? Causeway. No oh. one saw it! Yeah.
0: I, <laughs> no just, one watched it. I don't know anything about that. But, but yeah, she did take a break for a long time. She was like, yeah. people are sick of... She literally said, people are sick of me. I'm gonna go she away right. for a while and she was right people really had turned on her in that Anne Hathaway kind of way where it's like this girl's obnoxious she's a phony she's like pretending to be relatable and like us and just people people had had it with her and she she went away and and now we're ready for her again and <laughs> it's nice to see her and it's just a really funny movie, especially the front half of it the kid who stars alongside of her is so wonderful I can't remember his name but he was really charming. Um, Matthew Broderick has a small part in it. It's really funny. Uh, I miss Matthew Broderick so yeah, much. It's great. It's It's really worth watching. Cool. Yeah. And then last night, I went to the secret movie club to see... <gasps> a double feature i love secret movie club Uh, it was so cool um a double feature of russ meyer's faster pussycat kill kill and beyond the valley of the dolls and we watched them on russ meyer's own prints his own 35 millimeter prints lended from the academy so
1: that's so fucking cool it was really cool
0: um faster pussycat I, th- You know, I I own Beyond the Valley of the Dolls and the Criterion. I feel like I've seen that one probably 10 times. That one's kind of yeah. easier to see. So that one wasn't as special as seeing Faster Pussycat, which is a lot harder to see. Mm-hmm. And it was a much better print than the Beyond the Valley of the Dolls print, weirdly, even though it's older. And for the first time, I've only seen it twice, both times on the on the big screen. Um And I saw its influence in so many movies. Like, watching Faster Pussycat last night, I was like, oh, this beat is in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. This part is in The Hills Have Eyes. This aesthetic I've seen in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof or in music Mm -hmm. videos. And it's just like, I I kind of forgot how influential it is. Um, It just is so cool. And Tura Santana in that movie, the lead actress, like, who has ever looked that good in a movie before. (laughs) She just looks so fantastic with her black leather driving gloves and her black jeans and her black hair. And just what a special movie and what a good time. I went with two people who'd never seen it and they both loved it. And Uh, great time.
1: I fucking adore russ meyer we do not get enough love for russ meyer it's true on a technical level
0: he was an exquisitely talented filmmaker because he had been a war photographer and something that i didn't know is if you've ever seen the movie patton which i have not i have not all of the war footage is Russ Meyer's war footage from World War II because he was a he was a war cinematographer and that's how he learned the trade. And so, if you've seen Patton, you've seen Russ Meyer's work, even if you've never seen any of his actual <laughs> movies. But he learned he learned the craft, and we've talked about this and in, in, uh, for other filmmakers, he learned the craft doing cinematography during the war, and then he came home and did industrials like The Carnival mm-hmm. of Souls filmmaker, um, and. Especially when it comes to editing, Russ Myers is off the charts, talented at He's editing. Such like, an incredible editor. Holy oh shit. So so good and strange and unique. And I just deepened my love and appreciation for his work as a filmmaker.
1: Beyond the Valley is so incredible and amazing, and I love it so fucking much. And I rewatch it all the goddamn time. Yeah. But he did other movies at Fox. Like, that wasn't his only big-budget studio movie. He also made The Seven Minutes. The other, He made other stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> that's unavailable. <laughs> like, yeah. you could probably torrent some of those things. We don't recommend that you do that. <laughs> Rent it legally, please. I'm um, laughing because I, I suddenly If you have remember... the option. <laughs> I'm laughing because
0: I suddenly remembered the guy who introduced the movie last night... He's the director of uh, Secret Movie Club? And he, I guess he, he's like about my age, like early forties. And he went to USC and he talked about interviewing Russ Meyer, like bringing Russ Meyer as a oh. student to USC to do a talk. And, um, he asked about you know the fact that Roger Ebert wrote Beyond the Valley of the Mm -hmm. Dolls and I guess Russ Meyer said like oh that fat virgin from the Midwest or something like that about Roger Ebert (laughs) and told this story about how like Roger Ebert was a prude so he, Russ Meyer would try to fuck with him so I mean this is a very racy story and it was a different time of course but he would um, have his secretary strip nude before (laughs) before Roger Ebert came into the room so his like hot secretary would just be topless typing at her desk to shock roger ebert
1: that's so goddamn funny so funny
0: they were supposed to
1: do i mean (laughs) they were supposed to do another film together after beyond the valley which ebert had written and he has since published that screenplay but it was meant to star the sex pistols
0: Ooh, what a great mix a Russ of
1: Meyer, Roger Ebert, Sex Pistols movie! It obviously never
0: happened. I, that's a shame. I would pay anything to see that. Yeah.
1: yeah, that would have been fucking incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I mean, listen, Beyond the Battle of the Dolls, I think we can all agree is the best thing that Roger Ebert has ever written. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> hands down. <laughs> He, I, I believe he had some other career um for the rest of his life doing mm, something th- else with movies i don't think so that i don't right. <laughs> he doesn't have many other screen credits so I think we, we can't insurance. find out
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was an accountant i think um yeah so anyways speaking of russ meyer and Kraft, maybe we should talk about the movie of the day Um, this is a movie that neither Drusilla nor I had ever seen like we sometimes do we use the podcast (laughs) as an excuse to watch a blind spot movie and this is one of them from 2019 directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala we are discussing The Lodge so how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with grace she really wants to get to know you guys That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. I... You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up
1: to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea and it's a couple days, I can do a couple days.
0: Okay guys, I'm off. Have fun.
1: I'm Everyone committed suicide except for her Repent and you will find salvation Guys! Things are very Uncomfortable between us And we're stuck in a house together
0: So um, you chose this movie I, And I guess I just said it Like you hadn't seen it and you wanted to So you used the podcast As an excuse
1: um, Yeah fair enough (laughs) fair enough listen i'd heard a lot about this movie yeah a it was released by neon Uh, it came out in the winter of 2019 which uh very quickly got snuffed away by the awfulness of 2020 yeah so i remember having gone to see the invisible man in theaters around that time. The Lee that was Wienel the last film.
0: movie I saw before the pandemic, I think.
1: It was the last new release I saw. Yeah. I, I, would have, I would go on. Well, I think I saw Birds of Prey after that. Um, so that's wrong. Um, but I remember seeing trailers for The Lodge with it and being like, oh, that looks interesting. And I yeah. had friends go to see it a little bit before lockdown happened. That were like, oh, my God, The Lodge is so good. It's really scary. You should check it out. And then Lockdown. Uh, so I, I didn't have a way to see it. And I kind of forgot about it. Um, and it lived in the back of my head. Um, and then. Uh, so Veronica Friends. And Severin Fiala. Before they made this movie. They made another movie called Goodnight Mommy. Mm-hmm. Which was a big. Uh, kind of festival. Uh, an art house horror hit. Uh, when it came out when I was in college. Uh, it has just been remade. Into a TV show. <laughs> Or a yeah. like streaming movie, yeah. Uh, in uh, here for in Prime. the states for Prime, which is a choice. Yeah, who needs that? I don't know. I think Naomi Watts is in it. Yes, um, that's correct. Because apparently David Lynch isn't doing enough work to hire her for other things. <laughs> um, and so it kind of got me thinking about uh them, and that brought me back to this movie, and I was like, oh yeah, let's give that a shot. Let's give that a watch. Um. And you watched it before I did and texted me about it and were like, I'll be very interested to see what you make
0: of it. <laughs> well, let me do a quick synopsis because I have a feeling once we start talking about it, it'll, hard- it'll be hard to take a break and do the synopsis. So this is a movie where we get a little bit of Alicia Silverstone of Clueless fame. Not enough. Um, we open with her. She is a mom of two children, a teenage boy and a younger girl, and she's getting a divorce. And um she's very unhappy about it. And we only get glimpses of her ex-husband's um new love interest. It's sort of like Poison for the Fairies or um or Los Spookies, where we just see like her shadow or like a little bit of her face and profile, things like that. Um, So it seems ominous. And um, Alicia Silverstone is sending the kids off to her husband, and he asks to finalize their divorce. And this upsets her so much that she takes her own life. And so that's all we get of Alicia Silverstone. And then we're with the kids and their dad and we meet his new love interest who's played by Riley Keough and her name is Grace. Grace is the survivor of a religious cult that offed themselves sort of Heaven's Gate style and has, you know, been living with some religious trauma for a number of years. And the dad is like a writer of true, essentially true crime books about Things like this. So he's been writing about this cult. He met this woman, fell in love with her. She's going to be the kid's new stepmom. So he thinks it's a great idea for Christmas to (laughs) send Grace, uh, who's dealing with religious trauma and survivor abuse, with these two kids to their winter house by the lake for Christmas. He's going to join them in a couple of days. So they get to the winter house. The kids hate grace. They're kind of torturing her. They're icing her out. They're teasing her and she's taking pills for her, uh, you know, uh, not specific mental illness. (laughs) And, um, then one morning they wake up and all of their belongings are gone, including her pills and things start to get more fucked up from there. And there's a bunch of twists and turns and, um, yeah, I I don't know, I'm kind of losing my train of thought.
1: Am I have I missed anything or that's right on the money. Okay. Um the yeah, the father just kind of drops them up at the lodge at this like house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh that apparently they spend winters at in the past. Uh and it's like okay, bye, I'll be back on Christmas. Yeah. Um and then out of nowhere things just one day wake up and get weird. Um, this movie is pretty recent, but I feel like we might have to spoil a oh, few yeah. of the twists and turns to actually totally. talk about
0: it. Yeah. We can spoil
1: the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> People so- said that they want our spoilers. So we're good. Uh, this is going to be hard to talk about if we don't spoil it. So um, from there, all of their phones are dead. All of the food is missing. From the fridge, there seems to be canned goods. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of their jackets are missing. All of her pills are missing. Uh, the, her dog is missing. Uh, people who use does the die dog does the dog die Unfortunately, yes. Oh yes, a dog freezes oh, yeah.
0: to death. We see a frozen dog a few
1: a few times. A few times. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, they check the clocks and the clock uh, that has a date calendar kind of running on it says January 9th, Mm -hmm. which is upsetting. Um, and the, um, young boy who appears to be at least a teenager. He's, he's older than his sister. 13
0: or 14, like younger teenager.
1: It seems 14. Um, Jaden Martell, uh, who listeners might remember as the Nazi kid from knives out. really great young actor great in the yeah movie. he's always like just annoying enough <laughs> yeah um uh recounts the the morning that they wake up and everything's like missing and all their phones are dead and stuff uh recounts a dream that he had where the um gas uh heater that they'd brought up uh smoked out and they all suffocated and died mm. um And now the house has no power. They have no phones to get in contact with anyone. All of their belongings and the food is missing. Uh, There is a massive snowstorm outside. They have no way to go outside. They have no jackets. They are stuck. And it appears to be now January and no longer December. Um, So they begin to believe. um, Or Riley Keough begins to believe. The kids begin to believe that they are dead and they are in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Riley Keough runs outside, uh, and the kids stay behind because they think she's fucking crazy. Um, to try and go walk out and get help, uh, she meanders around a bit, finds a house that looks a lot like a freaking cross. Yeah, which feels like the single most stylistic Ken Russell touch in the whole movie, and that I liked mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, And then she finds tracks in the snow, follows them, and they lead her right back to the house with the kids. Uh, And out front of the house, she finds some belongings in the snow. uh, One of which is a framed photo of the kids with a black ribbon on it that says, In Memoriam. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So it really, 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 really looks like these kids are dead. Yeah, they lost all time, dead.
0: they're all dead, and it's, like, a couple of weeks later, and they're, like, somehow ghosts haunting this house, which is also purgatory.
1: Yes, there's an implication that their mother is haunting them, there's an implication that her father, who was raised her in this religious cult, is potentially haunting her. She hears his voice frequently in the movie, uh, telling her to repent, um... Uh, the kids also end up finding like a funeral program <laughs> mm-hmm. for the three of them that lists all of their uh death dates as twenty nineteen yeah uh it's uh pretty unnerving and upsetting yeah and
0: and also somehow she decides that they all need to kill themselves in purgatory to move on to heaven or wherever. And this is when the children reveal to us, the viewer, that they have, like, faked this entire thing. They've hidden all of their belongings, and they're just little shits. And this is a movie in the fuck-them-kids cinematic universe.
1: Yes, it is. They've hidden all their stuff down below. (laughs) They hid, like, a Bluetooth speaker in the attic to play, like, her father's, like, ramblings from uh, a religious sermon that was filmed uh, and
0: who knew that her not having her pills would end badly, because now she wants to kill them so that they can go to heaven, and they're like, oops, we faked this whole thing.
1: And they hid all of their belongings, but not a gun, apparently? <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine what happens next.
0: That's basically the movie. I, uh, I have some thoughts about this movie. I'll start with the positive. It looks really great. Beautifully yes. filmed. Although... A lot of the aesthetic makes this movie live in the shadows of Hereditary,
1: I think. Um, there's a dollhouse theme that is pretty straight out close. of
0: Hereditary. Even the wood, the chic wood paneling on the walls, you know, like it, uh, there's a lot of aesthetic here that Ari Aster created. Let's be honest, but it but does with the look blue beautiful.
1: tint, but with the blue tint, <laughs> yeah, it's
0: true. Um, I think the performances are wonderful. Riley Keough is always, uh, you know, she's a great actor. Jaden Martell is great in this. The performances, I think, are
1: really good. Alicia
0: Silverstone deserves better, but she's very good in this. Um, I was
1: so shocked. When this movie started and it was Alicia Silverstone, I was like, I thought Riley Keough was in this. Yeah. and I was like that that looks like <laughs> That's Cher Horowitz.
0: Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Alicia Silverstone. I felt like this movie, um to me it felt you know, being from twenty nineteen, it feels like the dying breath of the twenty tens quote unquote elevated horror project. Like Yes. Uh, it, it's it's very slow. I would say it's boring. Um it 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 felt it feels too late kind of. You know what I mean? It feels mm-hmm. like a movie that's behind the times. Um mm-hmm. cuz I, I just it's a pale impression of the movies of this subgenre that work. Um like Hereditary, like midsummer like some of those movies. But it just doesn't work. The turns feel implausible to me. Um the tone there's no variation it's all one note which is quiet somber boring slow um even a movie that's like the deliberately paced that makes you wait for things works because there's variation in that pace like there's a character where people are having fun at dinner or something but this movie is mm-hmm. just like one flat note the whole way through so i don't want I, I don't want to dump on this movie but it just didn't it didn't land for me how, how did you feel
1: I I enjoyed it, I think, maybe a little bit more than you. I saw both of the twists coming Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Again, knowing that these filmmakers made Good Night, Mommy. Uh, And if you know, I'm not going to spoil the twist from that movie, but I was just kind of like, oh, are we doing a thing like that? And yeah, we were doing a thing like that. (laughs) Which, I, listen, as a fan of the jalo genre... (laughs) I am a gigantic fan of an elaborate gaslighting narrative. Me too. I mean my favorite movie is Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Huge know, like, fan of let's make this person think she's crazy. Let's scare I, Riley Keogh to death. <laughs> let's scare Riley Keogh to death. I love that. Yeah. I like especially like these two fucking kids being like, fuck this lady. We don't want her to be our stepmom. Let's make her, like... But at a certain point, I would start siding with Riley Keough because I'm like, this lady just has PTSD. Yeah, fuck them kids. (laughs) Fuck them kids. Truly. She, like, has this, like, very sweet moment where she was... The daughter's like, I want a dog for Christmas, but my dad says I can't have a dog. And Riley Keough was like, well, my dad wouldn't allow me to have a dog because he wouldn't allow me to have any presents. And so the first thing I got for myself once I was free of all of that was I got myself this dog and I love him so much. And he's like a symbol of this new life that I get to have for myself. And I get to be this new person and I get to take care of this thing and I get to prove my father wrong in all these ways. And then these kids are like, nope. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to take all that away. (laughs) Yeah um the first sign of trouble for me um with this though was that so the night uh before uh things start to turn bad uh they all kind of like come in from the cold and like watch a movie on the couch together and they're watching the thing like John Carpenter's the thing. Oh yes.
0: I saw a Letterboxd review about that. It was like if I was making a winter horror movie, I would simply not show footage from the best winter horror movie ever made. In
1: it. <laughs> like, yeah. Bold choice. It's a bold choice. One of the like I don't know. I don't I don't like film school. I'm not pro film school. I had a bad time at film school. I feel like I learned more from watching other movies than mm-hmm. I did from attending film school. Uh but don't listen to me. But one of the biggest rules I was taught in film school was, like, if you're going to put part of a movie in your movie, or if you're going to put up a poster for another movie in your movie, you better goddamn make sure (laughs) it is not leagues better than your movie. Because instantly, the audience will be like, well, I just want to watch that. Yeah. Like, if you are making a schlocky I'm not calling this movie shocking. I'm just saying, as an example, if you're making, like, I'd like, or if you're making, like, a low budget indie family drama and then you cut to Kramer versus Kramer on the TV, right? Yeah. You're undercutting yourself. Yeah. Pretty severely. That's why, and we've talked about this on other episodes, a lot of movies, uh, when characters are watching a horror movie on TV, it's usually A Night of the Living Dead. Or Carnival of Souls. Something public
0: domain and old. Because those are
1: public domain, they're old, and they're like, you know, can be seen as masterpiece. They're seen as being good by a lot of people, but they're at least seen as being like older and hokier, so like, there's a like disconnect. Yeah. They had to pay good money to put the thing in this. I bet. They had to license that from Universal. Uh, we should also note that the Lodge is a British production yes it's hammer it's produced by hammer films love that love love that yeah uh i have i don't think i've seen a temporary film produced by hammer since the lady in black um with daniel Radcliffe.
0: the right one in or let me in may have been
1: oh the let me in remake oh maybe that was one interesting i haven't seen that still um curious i'm i fucking love that hammer is still love it uh, making stuff and i totally freaking love that hammer uh gave a green light to the directors of good night mommy um and were able to get riley Keough and alicia silverstone and like banger awesome yeah. um and again these kids are <laughs> really good
0: actors the kids <laughs> performances are really good
1: the daughter breaks down a couple times yeah and yeah. it's very believable. One of the most upsetting scenes is very, very early on. After Alicia Silverstone um, takes her own life, there's a funeral. There's a lot of foreboding cross imagery in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alicia Silverstone takes her own life with a cross on the wall behind her that is very quickly splattered with blood. Yeah, And then her funeral has a very weird um, ceremony that I've never seen take place at a funeral. With a, like, releasing of black balloons. Well,
0: here's the thing that I was going to say about this director is this movie is just chock full of moments, like that one, that are designed to look cool, but are kind of hollow to me. Like the plastic turkeys at Thanksgiving dinner. And Yeah. You just thought this would look cool, and that's very obvious.
1: And they do—well, same thing with, like, the big, like, house that looks like a cross that Riley Keough finds later. Yeah. It just looks cool. It doesn't do much. And when you're talking about, you know, religious fundamentalism and religious trauma across is a very potent image. Yeah. There's other images. Yeah. There's, there's more past that, that we're not getting, but, um, the daughter, uh, like the night, like the, that night or a little bit later is inconsolable with grief. And her bed, and the father, played by Richard Armitage, who I mostly know as being the shithead ex-boyfriend art dealer from Oceans 8.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I know him
1: from anything. I, I couldn't... He I couldn't appears to him. have been in the Hobbit movies, but I've not seen the seen Hobbit us. movies. Um, So I only know him as playing, like, lame dudes who suck. And in this he plays <laughs> Here <it is> again <laughs> a lame dude who sucks. And he's like, just stroking his daughter's back, like listfully. He's just like kind of giving that he's annoyed that she's crying. He doesn't express much grief over the death of his now ex-wife. Yeah. Um, which, my man, you are married to Alicia Silverstone. The fact that she's dead in any universe should be sad. Um <laughs> but the daughter's inconsolably crying and keeps saying, Mommy can't get into heaven now. Yeah. Like, that's so fucked up.
0: Yeah. That's religious trauma. But where does that come from? Because I didn't get the sense that the characters are very religious.
1: I... Yeah, we don't get much of that. However, um, Jaden Martell wears, throughout the movie, um, a religious necklace that Alicia Silverstone wore. That she took off before uh, she took her own life. And again, she has a cross hanging... On the wall, which behind but it feels kitschy. It doesn't feel like super. It doesn't feel lived in and truthful. Yeah, it it looked the that cross there on the wall feels like something that was hand sewn. It looks it's it's not like you know a wooden cross with Jesus on it. It's in the shape of a cross. Yeah, but it looks more like some like um, embroidery that like your grandmother would have made that you hung up to be like I miss my grandma. Well,
0: same with the painting in the movie that seems to be haunting mm-hmm. Riley Keogh's character. It doesn't. It looks like a Renaissance painting. The paint is cracked, and it's like, what? Who has? What house has this painting hanging in it? It doesn't be- feel believable in that house. It doesn't feel like a painting that those people would own. I've never seen a painting like that in
1: my life. All and of it- the houses in this movie. So there's uh, Alicia Silverstone's house, the father's house, and then the lodge, essentially. They're all very, like, upscale. This is a wealthy family. I mean, the father is, like, true crime writer, and it looks like he's successful. And they're very clean, minimalist houses. Very hereditary. They're very sleek. The father's house that we see a few times has these big windows, and it's, like, kind of elevated above this, like, wood-paneled garage. It It looks very, very modern and very, very expensive. Um... I don't know. The majority of this whole movie, I was also not on top of having a fuck them kids moment. I was also having a bit of a class warfare moment (laughs) of being like, fuck them
0: rich kids. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that. I mean, this is discussed ad nauseum to the point that it's a little bit boring, but like the way that Gen X was raised compared to millennials or, or um, Zoomers where it's just like my, I literally like left the house when the sun came out and mm-hmm. came home when the sun went down. Nobody asked me any questions about my day or where I went. I don't think my parents ever asked me a single question in my entire childhood. Like, do you want to do this? Do you want this? Do you Would you like that? Like, So the fact that the dad is like, is it okay if we have Grace over for Christmas or whatever? It's just like so implausible to me because <laughs> I was just like given instructions from sunup to sundown if my parents noticed me at all. And, like, that's the way that my entire generation was raised. It's just, like, go outside and play. We'll see you at night. And, like, that's it.
1: I mean, I'm technically a different generation. Yeah. I, this dad reminds me a lot of my dad to a degree in terms of just being, like, very disconnected from his children and his family. Like, it's very clear that he left his wife for this woman. Yes, who's much was younger than with. him or who's Alicia Silverstone. much younger than Alicia – at least 20 years younger than Alicia yeah. Silverstone, I think. Um, or at least 10. Um, and he's so disconnected with his kids, and he, like, at <laughs> – God, he asks the kids if they want Riley Keogh, uh to spend Christmas with them, just them. He yeah. is not going to be there for the majority <laughs> of it. Yeah uh at thanksgiving dinner before she like while they're setting the table before she's arrives for thanksgiving dinner uh and the kids are like why like yeah we, she's just your girlfriend who we don't like our mom just died yeah this is weird <laughs> and they have a fucking point and the dad just gets like exasperated and he's like ugh we're going to get married so i was going to tell you later ugh you ruined the surprise like ugh and I'm like, you say that before you invite her to the Christmas thing. You tell your kids, like, hey, we're engaged. We're going to get married. But also, like, my man, if your kids fucking hate this woman, don't get married. Also, he got engaged to her before he was fully divorced from Alicia's fucking Silverstone. Yeah. Yeah. I found because of that, I found
0: her character really unlikable from the moment that she showed up, Yeah, which is kind of a problem because she's the main character, but she showed up and I've only been getting like, like I said, sort of Losa spooky styles, like little flashes of her profile or things like that. So to me, she shows up as a villain, but she's the main character of the movie because she's a homewrecker, which not to be, you know, I don't, I'm not a sanctimonious person when I watch movies. So it's not like I can't like a homewrecker. But it, it kind of sets her up in a weird way
1: as a protagonist. The, the first 30 minutes of this movie set her up as the antagonist. Yeah. And then we get to the lodge and she becomes the protagonist. Right. And then it switches again and she becomes the antagonist again. Yeah. It, it's
0: funky. It, it is a little strange. I'm okay with that. I think you could do that really well. I just don't think they did do that really well. I,
1: yeah. For this one, I just feel like it undercuts itself in a way yeah. that is a disservice a friend of mine who's a filmmaker um who's also directed uh, a pretty freaking good christmas horror movie about a family set in a house really likes this movie a lot mm-hmm. um uh his name's josh lobo and he directed a movie called um i Trap the devil mm. which is very good yeah I highly recommend that. it he loves this movie um and he described it as bleakness porn Mm-hmm. And he's in, like, a positive um, as, like, an aspect of this movie. And this movie is properly bleak. This movie is, is about bleak. three characters stuck in a house together that are all traumatized. These young kids who are going through a fucking ordeal after the sudden suicide of their mother and stuck with the person that their mother flat out blamed for her suicide. Yeah. Who is a person that has her own mountain of uh, trauma and PTSD, also around suicide and murder, uh, related to her own father, and all of this is kind of tied and congealed together around religious trauma. So it is bl- fucking properly bleak. Yeah. Um. In the scene with the thing, she, Riley. Like, I was very surprised that the young daughter was watching the thing, and I was like why are they doing this to this kid? Did yeah. Riley Keough put this on? That's so weird. But then you find out that the kids are into it. Yeah. kids love And Riley Keough is like, can we change it? And the next cut, she's put on Jack Frost with Michael Keaton.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is a bleak movie. For me, I think, you know, if I'm in the mood for something like this, I would reach for Hereditary, which is like a similar aesthetic, similar vibe, and is at least three times better than this movie. <laughs> Um, it's like, like I wouldn't reach for a Gobot when I have Transformers.
1: <laughs> Fair, I feel like if I was I think of this movie more in the context of like post cult religious trauma kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And if I was uh, in the mood for something like that, I would reach for another movie we've covered on this podcast, The Invitation, um, oh, by Karen yeah, Kasama. That movie, yeah. Um, which is also you know a handful of characters in a house in one location. Um, with a background of religious trauma, uh, and threat to a degree and a lot of question as to a, a kind of a gaslighting, um, idea behind it that, um, has a lot of tension, uh, and is, I think very well paced. Yeah. My, my problem with the lodge is that for so much of it, just nothing happens. There mm-hmm. is There's one point where, um, we reach a point where it's like, okay, Now what? The kids are, like, revealed their scheme. Riley Q is just sitting on the front porch. Yep. What happens now? And they just cut to the dad elsewhere. And he's like, haven't heard from you, kids. I'm coming up. And I was like, oh, okay.
0: They worked themselves into a corner, basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that happens. Also, like, it takes a while before what I feel like the main plot and events of this movie Happen, which are them being stranded without power, food, and things like that. That's like halfway into the movie. Yeah,
0: I agree. I I, I think this sc- a, a rewrite of this screenplay. Like, if you hired someone to do a polish, if you hired like uh you know one of these screenplay doctors, I think that they would have started at the characters arriving at the lodge.
1: I yeah, I think that Alicia Silverstone wouldn't have even been in the movie, which I a so detriment too. because she's incredible. She's but great. The character of the mo- that mother, I think, wouldn't have even been in the film. And then that would have been revealed through dialogue hinted at elsewhere throughout the movie. Um, and maybe it could have, like, exploded in the tension between the kids and her. Um,
0: Speaking of, like, screenwriting and literary devices, um, what about her mental illness? Like, her unspecified mental illness, which is that- conveniently, a, you know, a... Uh- a vehicle to doing whatever you want in the movie as a filmmaker,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: which is fine. I like again, I don't want to be sanctimonious about it, but it's also like it could have been good to pick something specific and then
1: it could. I mean, here's the thing: it, she flat out has PTSD. Like, yes, hundred percent. But that doesn't um,
0: PTSD doesn't give you hallucinations, and you know what I mean. Like it's not like making you sleepwalk, every yeah. day and have hallucinations, and she LSD flashbacks
1: has. <laughs> psychotic breaks throughout yeah. this film uh and by psychosis i just truly mean Literally seeing psychosis. things that are not there yeah um so and there's a point in the beginning of the movie where the kids are like we don't want to stay with that psychopath and the dad's just like who told you she's a psychopath like he says it less like mm, so how dare saying, you say that about my uh girlfriend and more like who told
0: <laughs> i see i see so you're saying it is, actually is specified and i just kind of didn't notice it which potentially
1: is- i can't, it's hard to tell it's, it's yeah. in the subtlety of the performance but you know there's the unspecified pills that keep her level right that then get taken away and without it just seems convenient is all i'm saying yeah
0: it is it's a it's a literary device which is fine i Mm -hmm. um i think that's fine i just it's just something that i noticed and i wondered if this were more specific would it be better because usually specificity is good we
1: also get another literary device pretty pretty damn early on in this movie of Chekhov's gun. Yeah, the opening credits are like in the like dollhouse or maybe in the lodge uh, of the dollhouse, which is what the dollhouse is of. And we see a gun like in like super macro close up at one point before the movie starts. And then uh, other than the kind of cult mass suicide that kind of happens in the background uh, before the events of the film, all of the uh, violence and death that follows is at the hands of gun violence. Um, which, you know, we could be saying something about guns in the home. Yeah. Could be. Could be.
0: Um, let's not, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to shit on this movie. I hope we haven't done that. I know that people are listening to this that probably love this movie. It didn't land for me. It landed for Drusilla, I think a little bit more than me. Um, so if you love this movie and you came here to hear us, Gush about it. I'm sorry. Um, I tried to be as nice as I could. Um, but yeah, with that said, let's pivot and play our favorite game. Have they seen it? Where we speculate wildly whether notable figures have seen this movie. I don't have a single person in mind. Let me just bring up my Rolodex of celebrities.
1: Well, I have one. Okay. Um, so. This movie, Riley Keough's character is a child of religious trauma, mm-hmm. which is also not something that's in the marketing of the movie. The marketing of the movie is just like spooky cabin, uh, creepy, uh, arty horror movie. That's it. Which is
0: good because you don't know what it is like. Is it a
1: home invasion? Mm-hmm. Is it a haunting? Is It, it could be anything. Exactly. So that's yep. not in the marketing at all. There's like little crosses in the title treatment and on one, of, there's a poster with the snowflake that kind of falls down into an inverted cross with, like, blood, uh, which is a very dope poster. Um, so it's, like, very subtly hinted at only in the print campaign. Um, so a lot of people going into this movie probably wouldn't have known that. And, I mean, I didn't. don't think I really knew that until I watched it. I didn't. Um, so do you think uh, Stephen Jones, uh, Stephen Jones, the son, the adopted son of... Um, jim, jim jones, jones the cult leader uh has seen the lodge oh gosh i hope not <laughs> i really hope not I is he a like...
0: normal person is he is he just somebody who's like in the world trying to live his life and like live down this horrible thing
1: yes yes he yeah. is god i uh, hope not. he's just living a life out like uh on a home in like northern california Boy oh boy. I hope that he doesn't like He's written movies. multiple articles uh being like my father was a piece of shit. Uh yeah. I am scarred and he fucking sucks. Um I really hope he hasn't seen this movie. I mean talk about needing a trigger
0: warning. Like if anyone needs a trigger warning it's him. It's a very
1: specific trigger warning. Yeah. Cuz I mean at least with like The Sacrament uh the Ty West film you that's very upfront. Yeah. And so he could be like nope I I, you know would be very worried if Stephen Jones was like flipping through HBO Max and was like ah The Lodge let's give this a shot I feel like he would turn it off like 10 I minutes I think so in too absolutely
0: happened. it's the first hint of that he would turn it off I never hope this about people but I truly hope that he doesn't like horror movies so that he'll just yeah. never accidentally watch this I usually am in favor of people liking them but in this case I hope not um, if you're
1: listening to this episode, Stephen Jones, and you even got this far, uh, like, listen, there's some really fun Peter Bogdanovich movies out there. You would like What's Up, Doc. A Targets, lot.
0: even, <laughs> is fine. No. Theory, probably.
1: <laughs> highly recommend maybe some Cary Grant movies. Bringing yeah. a Baby is a Hoot. Check out The Philadelphia Story. Maybe not Arsenic and Old Lace. Mm-hmm. Um, How about Bell Book
0: and Candle? Bell Book and bad? Candle,
1: a delight. Highly, highly, <laughs> highly recommend
0: um i have somebody in mind this person is like a contemporary of riley keogh and i thought of her i guess because of her involvement in um you know a big 2010s quote-unquote elevated horror movie the remake of suspiria do you think dakota johnson saw the lodge
1: oh i think the dakota johnson loved the lodge you think i think dakota johnson saw it like i if not at the la premiere then like in theaters um I I think she like really dug it. I get the impression that Dakota Johnson like digs horror films Mm -hmm. uh, and is very into, especially at the time, into that contemporary cycle of the neon A24 quote unquote elevated horror sphere, which, you know, a lame definition, but I, yeah, I think she, uh, I think she thinks it's super fun. Okay. I think I, I, I not that. fun, but I think yeah, I think she's into it again. Like her grandmother was in the Birds. Like true.
0: yeah, it's true. What do you think? Uh, I could buy that. I also just don't. I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a world where she's like David Lynch, and she just like doesn't really like movies that much. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I feel like she might be one of those people who's like, I'm really more into like reading. Or art or music than I am movies.
1: I could see that from what I've heard. Melanie Griffith and Tippi Hedren and her are all very close, and from what I've heard, Melanie Griffith and Tippi Hedren love movies and watch movies a lot. So, do you know what that means? I've never put this together in my head, but that means that
0: uh, Dakota Johnson has spent time at Shambala, the wild animal reserve, yes. which is the location of 1981's Roar, a movie that mm-hmm. we should i wish we could talk about i don't think it really fits into a category but that is wild and insane and
1: delightful to think about (laughs) um well i'm thinking about the other cast members of the lodge and jaden martell who plays the younger son the older son in the film who does a very 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 good job in this um he did um Uh, A few other horror movies Of note including Andy Machete's It uh, Mm -hmm. The update of the Stephen King novel Um, He was in It and he was in It Chapter 2 And In It Chapter 2 He was portrayed by uh, The older version of the character portrayed by Bill Hader And he would eventually go on to be The series finale Of uh, Bill Hader's show Barry playing his uh, Son grown up uh, so my question is, do you think Bill Hader has seen The Lodge? I don't think so. Got instinct. Really? I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't think so. I don't Bill know Hader if- is a big, like, TCM, like, criterion kind of guy.
0: Yeah, like, he does documentary now. He's I do see mm-hmm. him as a film buff. I understand that about him. Massive film buff. But I don't, um, I don't I see do I saw an interview with, with him
1: recently where he was talking about watching, like... Some like 40s like really really like not famous 40s film noir while his like teenage daughters or younger were having like a sleepover with all their friends Mm -hmm. and he was like yeah then all the kids like came up to get a glass of water and saw I was watching something and they all like slowly came in and joined and got like hooked. That's cool. to find out like oh, are they gonna make it like is it tense and i was like that's fun that's cute your kids don't enjoy those things i promise you they don't sir they're being polite <laughs> yeah but um that's very cute um i hmm i feel like maybe he's seen the lodge i i, I know he's a horror guy i know he loves uh evil dead mm. um and a lot of stuff like that I, and of course, you know, he was in it
0: chapter two. That's a paycheck I, though. That doesn't mean he like loves being an it or, you know,
1: <laughs> true. that's true. Um, I don't know. I, I, he probably, he probably hasn't, but I think he would enjoy it. Especially like as a, the, the filmmaking of the lodge, I think is very similar to the filmmaking that hater is doing in Barry. Um, and if he hasn't seen it, uh, Jaden needs to get on his case. Get him to watch it. Well, why though? I don't think he would like it if he saw. You don't think you don't think Bill Hader would like The Lodge? No,
0: neither of us liked it. We're both smart, cool people. (laughs) Why should Bill Hader like it? (laughs) Fair, fair. I'm being mean. now I should take that back. Um, (laughs) I think he would enjoy it from a like, uh, like craft perspective. I'll tell you this. I think he's nicer than both of us. I feel like he would be (laughs) more generous (laughs) with it than we are. also uh, fair uh, let's stay at hbo so i am now in t- starting season three of my favorite current hbo show righteous gemstones which
1: oh my god i can't wait to start it the best wait which quickly films in myrtle beach in and around south carolina yes and while we were down in south carolina visiting ivory's parents they were like they go to the beach all the time because they're like retirees who have a camper yeah. and they like drive out there a lot And they were like, yeah, last year we were at the beach, and they were, like, filming something. Uh, And so we went to look to see what it was, and it was this religious show or something? (laughs) And John Goodman was there, and we were like,
0: gemstones! (laughs) Yeah. So... Yes, David Gordon Green, in fact, has moved there permanently, has started this whole production scene there. So he's trying to make it like Atlanta or Vancouver, where it's just like the Sick. production hub, like the new Halloween movies were filmed there. It's a whole thing that he started. But I love Righteous Gemstones. I also, my favorite character is Judy Gemstone, played by my dog's namesake, Edie Patterson. Do you think Edie Patterson... <laughs> who plays Judy J- Gemstone, has seen The
1: Lodge Tornado. Oh, God, no. Fuck no. <laughs> no, no, there's no way. Edie Barrison gives me the vibe of, like, does not watch horror movies, and how <laughs> dare too. you recommend her... Like, she gives me the vibe of the last horror movie she saw was The Silence of the Lambs in theaters. Like... You're probably right. I yeah. She's so funny. Too. Like there's an, a she's scene. She's so goddamn
0: funny. Season one of Righteous, Righteous Gemstones, where she's like having a heart to heart with her husband, who she may be divorcing, and it's taking place at an outback steakhouse. <laughs> and she tells this like really long monologue. It's a sentimental story played like one where she tells a story about falling in love with her professor in college yeah. buying him a Jeep Grand Cherokee and then kidnapping his son from school and taking him to the beach and then her husband stands up and is like good judy because <laughs> they're head up back it's just the funniest most incredible monologue ever so you're oh a no God. on edie patterson
1: well i listen to a lot of brett goldstein's podcast films to be buried with and he mm-hmm. of course is a big horror fan but he has a lot of comedians on yeah because he before ted lasso was a stand-up uh, and it's still a stand-up um and like Every single comedian that comes on that podcast is like, I don't like horror movies. Uh, I don't get horror. Like, oh. why would anyone like that? And I'm like, hmm. So I, that gives me the same thing. Danny McBride, of course. Of course. Yeah. Huge yeah. horror dude, wrote all the Halloween movies.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, But she gives me the vibe of like, no, not for me. I think you're right. Yeah. Well... That's it for The Lodge
0: 2019. If you liked this, please rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Bloodhouse Pod. You can email us at BloodhousePod at Gmail. Uh, Drusilla, where are you these
1: days? You can find my work over at SisterHideDesign.com. There's new stuff up there. Go check it out. Um, you can also uh, find me at hide sister um, on Instagram. Uh the Criterion Birds and Noble Sale is currently going on so you can buy a lot of my stuff a half off right now. You can go to your local Barnes and Noble and find copies of After Hours or Targets or uh the Elephant Man or Medicine Society or China's Missing. Go get them. Uh now is the time. Especially go check out Targets. Not enough people have seen Targets. Um, I assume everyone's going to buy After Hours, so that's good and great and fine. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what about you? Where are you lurking these days? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd,
0: and now Blue Sky. I'm trying What's Blue, Blue Sky? Sky. Yes. I've never heard of this. New Twitter. You have to be invited, so there's like no one there yet. That Maybe someday. <laughs> that's Joshua Conkle. And while we're plugging stuff, listen, my film he watches is going to be at Outfest here in LA, which is <gasps> huge, on July 20th at nine forty-five, in a block of queer horror short hell yes yeah outfest is a biggie it's a big, it's a big mm-hmm. moment for me um drew what are we watching next week
1: next week we are continuing uh, an inadvertent theme that we started with the lodge we are going to be watching another film by a female director we are going back to the 1980s to the queen of punk rock cinema penelope spheris uh, who listeners may know from Decline of Western Civilization and Wayne's World <laughs> for her film The Boys Next Door. I'm very curious to see
0: what you think of that movie. Alright, thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>